Welcome to the brand new Blazing History Show, Blazing Through History, one week at a time. Facebook.com slash Blazing Shows, B-L-A-I-S-I-N Shows. Same with Twitter at Blazing Shows and my brand new website, BlazingShows.com. Hope you are doing well and happy new year. As I also do another show about uh, disability issues. That's why I have the Blazing Shows account, just to kind of make things easier for me and you, so we both know what I'm saying at the same time. How critical is that? Anyhow, a brand new history show. I was doing a daily show that ran about four or five minutes long, going through every single thing that happened in history on that day, and I get everything from Encyclopedia Britannica. That's just me. I tend to prefer that. But with this show, since it's a bit more kind of magazine-ish, if you will, in the sense that I get to go through things on a week-to-week basis, I'm going to feature a clip from that day in history. And we start with this week, January 1st through the 7th. On January 1st, 2002, the euro was implemented in much of Europe. What was it like on that day? Eurozone has this report for us. For 300 million Europeans, from grocery shoppers in France to bankers in Germany, today was the first workday for their new common currency, the euro. Consumers across Europe appeared to be taking the changeover in stride. Many made their daily purchases today using the new currency. Others took advantage of the up to two-month grace period, when most businesses will also accept the old currencies and give change in euros. As expected, banks and automatic teller machines were busier than usual, with many customers lining up to exchange their old notes for the new pastel euros with shiny holograms. I think it's going to be okay in in a couple of days when you get used to it. But right now, it's very difficult. There were a few glitches. Do not accept credit cards. Tourists and commuters paying in euros for the first time created long lines at popular attractions in Italy and caused toll booths to bog down in Greece. A young Greek woman expressed the ambivalence many Europeans feel about giving up their historic currencies. So I think it's best for us because we're a small country and now uh, it's uh, an opportunity to uh, be a part of Europe more uh, uh, with strength and all this. Uh, Of course, we love drachma, and we're very emotional for uh, letting it go, but I think it's going to be okay for all of us. Twelve of the 15 countries that make up the European Union agreed to retire their currencies. Austria, Belgium, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Portugal, and Spain. Three EU countries, Britain, Sweden, and Denmark, chose not to make the switch for now. The decision to unite Europe with a single currency came 10 years ago, when EU leaders signed the Maastricht Treaty in Holland. 
Three years ago, governments and businesses began using the currency for accounting in electronic transactions. Initially, the euro was worth about $1.18, but has declined in value to about 90 cents. This week's January 1 transition to euro bills and coins amounts to the biggest currency transaction in history. You don't have to change any money anymore, so that will be much easier to live. For the nearly $600 billion worth of euros needed to replace all those national currencies, the European Central Bank printed more than 15 billion euro banknotes and minted some 52 billion coins. On January 2nd, 1967, after his acting career, Ronald Reagan became governor of California, which helped launch him to his eventual presidency. Here is part of his 1967 inaugural governor's address. You and I have lived too long with this miracle to properly be appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by way of inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. And those in world history who have known freedom and then lost it, have never known it again. Knowing this, it's hard to explain those among us who even today would question the people's capacity for self-government. I've often wondered if they will answer, those who subscribe to that philosophy, if no one among us is capable of governing himself then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? Using the temporary authority granted by the people an increasing number lately at all levels of government have sought control even of the means of production as if they could do this without eventually controlling those who produce. And always they explain this as necessary to the people's welfare. The deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. This was written in 1748, and it's as true today as it was then. Government is the people's business, and every man, woman, and child becomes a shareholder with the first penny of tax paid. With all the police chart is not an easy one. It demands much of those chosen to govern, but also from those who did the choosing. And let there be no mistake about this. We have come to a crossroad, a time of decision, and the path we'll follow turns away from any idea that those in government, those who serve government, are omnipotent. And this path is impossible to follow unless we have the collective wisdom and genius of all our people. Along this path, government will lead and not rule. It will listen and not lecture. It is the path of a creative society. And no problems discussed during the campaign, the number of problems that have been discussed, I see no reason why there should be a change in the subject now. Campaign oratory on the issues of crime and pollution of air and water and conservation and welfare and extended educational facilities doesn't mean that now the campaign oratory has ended the issues will go away. Problems remain to be solved. 
and the problems challenge all of us. Our government will lead, of course, but the answer must come from all of us. Now, we'll make specific proposals, and we'll solicit from all of you other ideas. In the area where crime is double our proportionate share, we'll propose legislation to give back to the local communities the right to pass and enforce ordinances that will enable the police to more adequately protect those communities. Legislation already drafted will be submitted calling upon the legislature to clearly state in the future whether newly adopted laws are intended to preempt the right of local governments to legislate in the same field. And hopefully this will free our judges from having to guess in the future the intent of those who passed that legislation in the first place. At the same time, I pledge my support and my fullest effort to a plan that will remove from politics once and for all the appointment of judges. Very interesting at the end of Ronald Reagan's speech, how he talked about getting rid of the political appointment of judges, which of course is something that exists today and continues to be a very pertinent issue. It was 54 years ago. Hard to believe. Fast forward to January 3rd, Alaska became the 49th state of the United States. Here is a clip from the Associated Press, the AP archives, explaining what happened on that day. President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official. Nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State brought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. In the years since, Alaska has yielded well over a billion dollars in new wealth and moved steadily but slowly towards statehood. Now the President's signature makes it officially the 49th state. At the same time, Ike solves one problem created by the added state. He announces a new design of the flag. And across the country, manufacturers go into action, bringing the stars and stripes up to date. The problem of the 49th star has been solved by a field of seven staggered rows of seven stars each. And while it is not mandatory to replace 48-starred flags now in use, the manufacturers hopefully look towards a boom in business as America rushes to keep up with the new look of old glory. Moving right along to January 4th, President Lyndon B. Johnson, in 1965, was giving his State of the Union address. This is where he outlined the Great Society, which was great then, but is it so great now? The Great Society asked not how much, but how good. Not only how to create wealth, but how to use it. Not only how fast we're going, but where we're headed. It proposes as the first test for a nation, the quality of its people. This kind of society will not flower spontaneously 
from swelling riches and surging power. It will not be the gift of government or the creation of presidents. It will require of every American for many generations both faith in the destination and the fortitude to make the journey. And like uh, freedom itself, it will always be challenge and not fulfillment. And tonight, we accept that challenge. I propose that we begin a program in education to ensure every American child the fullest development of his mind and skills. I propose that we begin a massive attack on crippling and killing diseases. I propose that we launch a national effort to make the American city a better and a more stimulating place to live. I propose that we increase the beauty of America and end the poisoning of our rivers and the air that we breathe. I propose that we carry out a new program to develop regions of our country that are now suffering from distress and depression. I propose that we make new efforts to control and prevent crime and delinquency. I propose that we eliminate every remaining obstacle to the right and the opportunity to vote. I propose that we honor and support the achievements of thought and the creations of art. I propose that we make an all-out campaign against waste and inefficiency. Our basic task is threefold. First, to keep our economy growing. To open for all Americans, the opportunity that is now enjoyed by most Americans, and to improve the quality of life for all. In the next six weeks, I will submit special messages with detailed proposals for na national action in each of these areas. We move a day in the calendar, but back 32 years. The Golden Gate Bridge began construction on January 5th, 1933. We have a clip here that has original footage, which is very well narrated because it was from the 30s and you had to create that word picture. So here is the clip about the first year 
of the Golden Gate Bridge construction. First step in erecting the North Tower is the assembly of the erection traveler, which will climb upwards between the legs of the tower, building as it goes. When the traveler derricks are ready, the five-inch thick steel base plates are placed by precise measurement. The lowermost sections of the tower are anchored to vertical steel angles, which have their roots 53 feet below the surface of the pier. These angles are pre-stressed before riveting to the tower legs, so they will exert a downward pull on the tower, a safeguard against the stresses of wind and earthquake. As the year 1933 unfolds, the Marin Tower climbs toward the roadway level. Even in this early stage, there appears the beauty of line that will make the Golden Gate Bridge famous. As the erection traveler raises itself on the lower tower sections, its spider-like shape stands out against the water. Each of its two electric-powered stiff-legged derricks is rated at 85 tons, about the weight of the heaviest tower section. The booms are 90 feet long. Once the traveler clears the pier by a sufficient margin, the workmen begin erection of the first diagonal brace. And so the technique of building the tower proves its workability. As the tower progresses upward, the traveler erects the tower legs, then raises itself and builds the braces behind it. Each time the traveler is raised, its weight must first be shifted to cat heads placed atop the tower legs. Then the four plungers which support the traveler are withdrawn from reinforced slots in the tower legs. The traveler, moving upwards in about 10 minutes, gains another 40 feet of headway on the towers. One red-hot rivet coming up, special delivery to men working by the light of miner's lamps inside the tower. The riveters work on double platform scaffolding, driving simultaneously on several levels. hundred thousand field rivets will be needed to complete each of the towers. One writer will later describe the towers of the Golden Gate Bridge as riveters paradise. And so the work continues and a new form rises against the sky in the beautiful Bay Area, a form which fits well in a land of massive hills and spans of water, but which dwarfs the men who are building it. In time, the only practical way up and down this open skyscraper is by elevator, and it's a sensational ride. The bridge was completed in 1937. On January 6th, 1941, Franklin D. Roosevelt, 
32nd president of the U.S., gave his famous Four Freedoms speech, which we have courtesy of the FDR Library. The first is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want, which translated into world terms means economic understandings which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear, which translated into world terms means a worldwide reduction of armaments to such a point and in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. This nation has placed its destiny in the hands and heads and hearts of its millions of free men and women, and its faith in freedom under the guidance of God. Freedom means the supremacy of human rights everywhere. Our support goes to those who struggle to gain those rights and keep them. Our strength is our unity of purpose. To that high concept, there can be no end save victory. I'm Katie Couric. Tonight, it was the first front in the war on terror. And in Afghanistan now, the Taliban are back with a vengeance. Lara Logan has an unprecedented encounter with al-Qaeda's best friends. A gusher in the Gulf, the biggest U.S. oil find in years. But does that mean you'll find cheaper prices at the pump? Free speech, everyone is entitled to his or her opinion. And we're giving folks a chance to express them right here. Nobody wants to hear what we have to say because we don't foam at the mouth, call your mama names, or say anything that's going to juice the ratings. And in something we're calling snapshots, Vanity Fair has the baby picture everyone has been waiting for. And tonight, so do we. This is the CBS Evening News with Katie Couric. Hi, everyone. I'm very happy to be with you tonight. For many Americans today, it was back to work and back to school. But in the war on terror, you have to wonder, is it back to the drawing board? It's easy to forget Afghanistan is where that war began. 
and that 21,000 U.S. servicemen and women are still there. Now, nearly five years after U.S. forces defeated the Taliban and scattered the al-Qaeda terrorists they were protecting, the Taliban and their terror tactics are back. This year, roadside bombings are up 30 percent, suicide bombings up 100 percent. More than 100 U.S. and NATO troops have been killed. In response, the Allies have launched a counteroffensive against the Taliban, killing as many as 60 today alone. Our chief foreign correspondent, Lara Logan, had unprecedented access to some Taliban fighters in one of their new strongholds in Ghazni province. Here's her exclusive report. We wrap up this week in history on January 7th. Wishing Katie Couric a happy 64th birthday. She was born on January 7th. 1957. Kirk made history by becoming the first female to do a solo newscast on network TV, which she did for CBS News. Here's that opening. The newscast was from September 5th of 2006. We're going to also have some guests on the show like we are for the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a discussion about Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, their similarities and differences. That's coming up for next week. The week after, we're going to review presidential history. So if you have any ideas or maybe you want to come on, you are more than welcome. This is Community Radio, which means... Community Radio, it's all about you. You can let me know at facebook.com slash shows B-L-A-I-S-I-N shows. Same with Twitter at shows or go to my brand new website, blazinshows.com. So this is all about you. We are all history buffs in some way, shape, or form, or maybe something from the clips that I played. Maybe that strikes a chord with you or a memory you have. Let me know. I love hearing those sort of things. So, again, it's facebook.com slash blazing shows, B L A I S I N shows. Same with Twitter and my website, blazingshows.com. The way the next two shows are going to work. We'll briefly highlight what happened this week in history, and then we'll have our guests and kind of go from there here on Blazing History, Blazing Through History, one week at a time. You can find me on your local Pacifica radio station or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is our show. If you have any ideas, I would love to hear them because you tell me what to do. That's the way I look at radio. And I look forward to having you a part of it. Brand new show about history. And then my Blazing Access show, Connecting the Community to the Disabled World. There's going to be some awesome tie-ins Within these shows, I look forward to having you a part of them. And thank you so much for being here with me. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Blazing History, Blazing Through History, one week at a time. 
What do you think? Let me know at facebook.com slash shows. That's B-L-A-I-S-I-N shows. On Twitter at shows, Or email me shows at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or on my website, blazinshows.com. To quote the late Franklin D. Roosevelt, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Take care of yourself and we'll talk again next week. On Blazin' History, I'm Blaze Bryant.